Now, is it just me, or is time getting quicker these days? Einstein said time is relative. Well, if that's so, I think the past year has been relatively quick. I think that's what I would say. This Sunday marks one year since we had our official opening uh, in our new building here on Beach Hill, and 106 years since our church started back in the middle of World War One. And what a year it's been. I think possibly this has been probably one of the most exciting times in our church's life so far. And this morning we're celebrating what God has done this past year and looking forward to our year ahead. For our anniversary, I try and uh, speak about something pertinent to the year that we've had or the year that we've got ahead. Normally, uh, as Steve alluded to before, we've worked through consecutive passages of the Bible on a Sunday morning. Uh, But this week is the one week in the year where I allow myself something uh, a little bit different and speak into the situation uh, that we're in. So we won't be looking at the whole chapter, but we'll be picking out some bits uh, from Philippians chapter 1. But this year, as I've thought back over the year gone by, and I've thought about the year ahead, one overwhelming thing has come to mind. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. Really, thankfulness and fellowship, if I was going to two words... And if I was to go to three, thankfulness in fellowship. And I'm not alone in feeling like this. Thankfulness in fellowship is something that the Apostle Paul felt nearly 2,000 years ago as he wrote to the Philippian church. He wrote to tell them how thankful he was to be in partnership with them. And we're going to look at that first chapter of Philippians to help us think through the year gone by and think about the year Ahead. So three points this morning, then some applications. First of all, thankful for fellowship. Let me read to you verses 3 to 6 again. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel, from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul is thankful for his fellowship, his partnership with the Philippians. Now the the Greek word there for partnership, for fellowship, is koinonia. And it's a word that's used for co-owning something, like partners in a business or sharers in an enterprise. They've got something together, they co-own it, they share it. So it's almost as though Paul's saying, this is not just my baby I'm talking about, it's our baby. So they have a partnership, a fellowship, a sharing. The words translate all those different ways in the Bible, the same word. It's the idea that Paul has in mind when he uses words like fellow workers, fellow servants, fellow prisoners. It's that kind of fellowship that he has in mind. What he's saying here is that they're all in it together. They're all part of this enterprise together. They're sharing in it. And that's what makes Paul so thankful. That's what makes him rejoice. As Paul writes, he's in a prison cell. He's alone. But he's not alone in the gospel. He's thankful for others who share his vision, who share his mission, as we'll see in a minute. Paul is not a lone ranger. He's connected to others in fellowship, in partnership, and he is thankful for that. Do you know, I'm so thankful for what the Lord has done in the past year here at Beach Hill. 
I'm thankful for the way that he has kept, it, kept us, the way he's guided us, the way he's grown us. Some churches I know in the past year have sadly closed or split or, or held up the white flag. But here we are. We're still here. We're still growing. Just ask the Nicholsons or the Comptons or Rose or Nad who put the chairs out. They'll tell you. Or Carol who does the communion uh, cups. How many cups we need to put out? There's nearly more each time. This year we've welcomed, I think this is right, 253 visitors. That's not 253 occasions, that's 253 different people. If you don't believe me, ask the people who've served refreshments this past year, like Patrick and Rona, or Stuart and Nicola, or Alex and Carolina, or Caroline, or Judith, or Sarah, or Rose, or Jackie, or Carol. And of those 253 visitors, 31 have become regulars this past year. I haven't got time to list all those people, otherwise we'd be here all morning. Equally, Tots and Toys has gone from a handful to a roomful. Just ask the guys who set the room out on a Monday night for a full room. Or Caroline, Sarah, Becky, Graham, Penny or Rose, who help out each week. And even online, things are looking good. One thing the pandemic did was bring us a bit more up to date, didn't it, with uh, technology. This past year, we've had 1,100 1, views on YouTube... Uh, 1,000 listens on Spotify, 35 listens on Apple Podcasts. That's on top of whoever listens to the website itself. And I'm so thankful for Stuart and Gareth, uh, who put the talks up every week. It's one of those things that's done behind the scenes and you sort of forget that it's happening. But it's actually helping the ministry go out to the world. And the building is being used by all sorts of community groups through the week, from sewing to slimming world. Just ask Graham, who has so kindly taken over organising that from the elders. Or Sarah Hughes, who's been dealing with the fabric of the building. Or Nad, who's been looking after the back garden. Or Naomi, who's been cleaning up after all the groups and after us. And financially, we're the healthiest we've ever known. Just ask Steve, or Richard, or Rachel Woodwell, who've all been helping out with the finances. There is so much to be thankful for. And I am so thankful for all that God has been doing among us uh, and for us. But amidst all that... I think I'm most thankful this past year for the fellowship that we've had in those things. That we're in it together. How many different names did I mention there as we were just doing all the things that we look at? We have a fellowship. A fellowship of the gospel. You see, it's not about numbers or buildings or structures. It's about our relationship with God and with each other. We were made for fellowship with God and for fellowship with one another. The greatest gift God gives us in life are not financial or material or flashy. The greatest gifts God gives to us in life, apart from our salvation, are people. People are gifts from God. People to share our lives with. People who we will share uh, our desire to glorify God with our lives with. And I really feel that this past year, God has been gathering us together as a group, as a team, as a fellowship, as a family. A family that's centred around the gospel. A family with a gospel purpose, but a family gathered together. And I'm thankful for that. And that leads us to our second point, though, this morning. It's the fellowship of the gospel. Let me read you verses 7 and 8 again. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers, same word there, with me of grace. 
both in my imprisonment and the defence and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. You see, as we share together, what we share first and foremost is that gospel of grace. We are a fellowship of the gospel. We share a belief in Jesus' death and physical resurrection. We believe he died as a sacrifice on our behalf to pay the price for our sin. We believe that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We believe that we cannot be good enough or try hard enough to put what right what we made wrong. That being good or moral will not get you to heaven. We believe that salvation is given as a gift to be received by turning to Christ in faith and turning away from sin in repentance. We believe that Jesus is coming back again to judge the living and the dead. That there will be glory and honour for those who trusted in Christ and tribulation and distress for those who did not. That is the gospel that we share. We share it with Paul, as he's writing here. We share it with the apostles. We share it with one another. And that's what makes biblical fellowship something incredible. It transcends culture. It transcends race. It transcends geography, history, age, gender, class, background. It means that our fellowship, our family, is made of people of all sorts of different cultures, backgrounds and skin colours. The gospel brings us together in fellowship as a family. The most diverse family on earth. You see, another way we could define biblical fellowship is being a family on a mission. We're not business partners, we're brothers. That's what he calls them in verse 12. The Philippians of Paul are brothers and sisters who share a mission together. A mission to take the gospel everywhere. That was the mission Paul shared with the Philippians. So Philippians 7, that he shared the defence and confirmation of the gospel. Or in verse 27, he talks about them striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. They are partners in the defence and confirmation of the gospel. They are striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. In other words, they're on a mission together. Wherever they are, whatever they're doing, they share Paul's mission to see that people hear of the gospel of Jesus. And that's even while Paul's in prison. Do you notice that? In verses 12 to 14, he explains that even amongst the imperial guard, it's become known that actually he is there for Christ. And that others have become bolder in speaking for Christ because of his imprisonment. It's as though Paul is saying, my imprisonment's great, says Paul. All the guards know that I'm here for Christ, and it's making people bolder to speak for Christ. The gospel is spreading, and I can rejoice in that. And I rejoice that you're with me on the mission. You're my partners, my fellow labourers. Even though we're separated by distance, you're still with me on the mission. My favourite illustration of this, I know some of you will have heard it before, it's from Lord of the Rings. Now I can, I can use this again because it's topical, because Lord of the Rings is in the news again this week, so it's allowed, okay? But the first film of the Lord of the Rings was called The Fellowship of the Ring. You see in that film the formation of a group, a fellowship, whose purpose is to see the ring destroyed in the fires of Mount Doom. And for the rest of the films, whatever they're doing, whether they're fighting battles in Mordor or slaying Balrogs in the mines of Moria, whether they are together or whether they're apart, that's what they're doing. That is their mission. 
And the same is true for us. Whether we're clearing up the hall, or talking to, about Jesus to someone in a cafe, or serving tea and coffee on a Sunday, or welcoming people at the door, or welcoming people into our home, or uploading talks, or a hundred and one other things in a thousand and one other places. We're working for the confirmation and defence of the gospel. We're striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. We are a fellowship, not of the ring, but of the gospel. And you see the incredible thing in the Lord of the Rings is not, uh, that's not the purpose, although it's not the purpose, sorry, of their fellowship. Hang on, let me start again. In the Lord of the Rings, friendship is not the purpose of their fellowship. The amazing thing is that actually it leads to stronger friendships than ever. Friendships that last a lifetime. Friendships that see natural enemies come together in mutual love and support. And the same is true with the fellowship of the gospel. Listen to the way Paul talks about the Philippians. I hold you in my heart, verse 7. I yearn for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ, verse 8. Later on in chapter 4, he'll write that they're my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. Their fellowship has led to genuine affection. He genuinely cares about them, and it comes across, doesn't it, in the letter. It's been lovely this past year to see this flourish in our church family. As we strive alongside one another for the faith of the gospel, we've been beginning to see this affection, genuine affection, grow. And as we continue to do that, as we partner one another in the mission, it's my prayer that we'll see it more and more. I'm thankful for this growing affection. I've missed you all while I've been away this summer. I've been away a few Sundays, it's been a while. It makes sense to me to have a break, but you know, while I'm away, I'm sort of wondering, oh, what's happened with so-and-so's house, or I wonder how so-and-so's doing, the, the operation, or the conversations they're hoping to have with family members. And I hope it's not just nosiness. <laughs> I hope that it's the same for you guys, too. That actually that affection is growing. If I'm feeling it, hopefully you're feeling it, too. That fellowship leads to that growing affection, to that friendship. Fellowship in the gospel does lead to those deeper relationships. And in that, a leader does have a role to play, a special role to play, as we'll see in our last point. Fellowship leads to joy and progress. Let me read to you verses 18 to 16. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honoured in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labour for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. What is the point of having church leaders? Why do we have pastors, elders, teachers? From what we've seen so far, you could definitely see the point of evangelists, those who take the gospel outside the church. What about leaders inside the church? Clearly they had them. Paul mentions them in verse 1. 
uh, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with overseers and deacons. Overseers, uh, another word for elders in the New Testament, and deacons, literally those who serve. What are they for, though? Well, we're going to be looking at this on a few Sunday evenings over the next few weeks, but here's part of the answer from verse 25. For your progress and joy in the faith. For your progress and joy in the faith. Paul here is a leader, a gospel minister. Paul is mulling over whether he will live or die in prison. His answer is that he knows he will live because that is more necessary for them. He believes God will keep him alive so that he can work amongst them. He's got more work to do. What is that work? Their progress and joy in the faith. Christian leaders like Paul exist for their fellow Christians' progress and joy. Being in fellowship with Paul for them, being in partnership with Paul, was to bring them progress and joy. That was what Paul was working towards. I was so affected by this as I read it, I stuck it up as a label on my computer, for your progress and joy. Because Paul is saying that is why he's still alive. That is why I am still alive. For your progress and joy. He wanted them to progress. Now the term is a military one, much like the rest of the passage. As in the Allied forces made progress into occupied France. It's progress won by battle, by struggle, by striving side by side. It's gradually, step by step, becoming more mature in the faith, more like the Lord Jesus. It's a slow and steady march to Christ-likeness, and Christian leaders are supposed to lead the way. That's why Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy, practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your faith? No. Godliness? No. Holiness? No. Progress. So that all may see your progress. That's what he wants them to do. To progress, to grow in these things. And he also wants them to be joyful. Not just in general, joyful in the faith. Joyful in Christ. Paul, as lovely as he was, I'm sure, could never be their sufficient source of joy. Paul's job then was to point them again and again to the fountain of delights. To the source of joy, Christ. His job was to help them find their joy in Christ. So good Christian leaders help people make progress in their Christian lives. And find their joy in Christ. And so fellowship together should lead to progress in faith and joy in the faith. So bearing all that in mind, I just want to share with you, just for a couple of minutes, what our plans are for the year ahead. Last year we had three ships as our uh, sort of plans for the year ahead. We had relationship, partnership, and leadership. We've talked about it as elders, and we've decided to stick with those three ships uh, for this year, but with a bit more direction. So first of all, what we want this year, what we're aiming for, is deeper partnership. We want that love and affection to grow as we serve the Lord together. Fellow workers fellow labourers, fellow soldiers, fellowship. We want it to be more natural to invite one another round to one another's houses. We want to be sharing our week together, not just our Sunday. Perhaps you could think of one thing this year that you could do 
to help your fellowship with others at church get deeper this year. It could be joining a team at church, the music team, the tea and coffee team, helping out with the Victorian fair or carnival. Or it might be something on an even more basic level. I'll meet someone for coffee or have someone round for lunch or tea just to get the ball rolling. So that's number one, deeper partnership. Secondly, bigger leadership. This year we want to make our leadership bigger. Why? For more progress and joy. I'm not a fool, despite what you might have heard. I know I, know I have my limitations, and I know that there's only so much that I can fit into a week. We need to make sure that there are enough leaders to lead effectively. So this year we're looking to do three concrete things with leadership. Number one is to begin to appoint deacons. They were there in Philippi, they should be here in Otley. I'll be doing some teaching on Sunday evenings in September and October, but there are some decisions that we want to make before we start appointing deacons. At the end of October, at the members' meeting, we'll be deciding whether to change our constitution to allow female deacons. We want to do this before we start because I think it's unkind to link it to a particular person's appointment. But then we want to begin to look at this together as a church, as a way that we can help one another serve uh, one another in the gospel. So that's number one looking at deacons. Number two is to be in looking at appointing a second paid worker at church. We're in a secure enough financial position that we can begin to look at appointing a second worker. Probably an assistant of some sort, but we need to have a conversation, proper conversation with the church and the elders together as well. We would hope that they would be in post this time next year, but we're not going to rush it if the right person isn't available or if it takes longer or something comes up. Why do we want to do this? We want to multiply ministry. We want to increase the amount that we can do as a church. And also train up future leaders for the church. So God willing, more progress and more joy all round as we do that. So that's the second concrete thing we'll be looking to do this year. Thirdly is to continue to raise up elders from within. Mike will be standing down in a few months as an elder. I believe, if I've got this right, they've served seven years here uh, as an elder, and he served as an elder elsewhere too. That will just leave Richard and myself, and in a year's time, God willing, the other worker, if we go with an assistant. There's nothing wrong about having just two elders, but especially as we grow, we think it's wise and prudent to have more rather than less. So this is something that we'll have to address as the year goes on, we might need to put in some interim measures, um, but we'll talk about that as we come to it. But this year we want to see leadership in the church grow, with more people involved, both formally and informally. We need to be on the lookout for future elders. We believe that God will provide, and that might be by equipping someone in church uh, for that role. So we need to keep that on our thinking and on our agenda. So why not think about one way that you could support existing leaders or encourage future leaders over the coming year. And then thirdly and lastly, wider relationships. Church, in a way, is a bit like a shoe. In the church has a footprint. It leaves a mark on a place. Some churches uh, make a small mark, even if they're quite large. Because if they closed up and all the Christians left that town, it'll be months before anyone noticed. They have a small footprint. Some churches, even though they're smaller, have a large footprint. Their members get everywhere. It's not necessarily that the church organisation does a lot, but the members are actively involved in what's going on in the town. 
But those kinds of churches, it's difficult to get people to help out at the carnival stall, because they're all helping out at other carnival stalls on that day. Ambassadors for Christ in the Gardener Society, soldiers for Christ in the chess club, other activities are available. Probably more exciting ones as well. But in fact, think about it, there are lots of different ways we can get involved. There are lots of different things that even go on in this building through the week. So think about it for yourselves. Think about the different things that go on. Could you go with a friend? Perhaps be a little bit careful about inviting them to the world. Think that one through. But uh, could you be an ambassador for Christ at the Sewing Collective? Could you be someone who speaks for Christ at the film club or all those different things that go on? There are lots of things we do. Perhaps just think of one way that you could do that this year. And it's my prayer that by this time next year, we'll not just be saying how quickly the year has gone, but again, how much God has been doing among us. Wouldn't it be great if this time next year we had deeper partnerships, a bigger leadership, and wider relationships with the community around us? Well, let's pray that God will be at work amongst us this year to do that. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for our partnership in the gospel. Father, thank you so much for the way that you have brought us together. Thank you for the way that you have helped us to genuinely love one another this past year. Father, we pray for that more and more for the year ahead. Father, help us to think of those ways that we can be in better partnership with one another, deeper partnership. Father, help us think of ways that we can reach the community around us. And Father, help us to uh, support and, uh, Father, bring about a a bigger leadership in church. Uh, Father, as our church grows, uh, that we might be able to do more and see more joy and more progress in the faith. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.